Hey everyone, welcome to Timeline Scavengers, the podcast specifically designed to last forever. I'm Colin Parker, one of your hosts. And I'm James Anderson, your other host. On this show, we're going through the MCU in historical order, scene by scene, until the end of time. That is very true, James, and sometimes until the end of other things. Mm. And that is my my read tease uh-huh. for today's episode. Uh, we are picking right up where we left off with e, um, with Eternals starting at 3828, uh, which is, again, the transition between the two scenes with Angelina Jolie's face lying down. Uh, and we are ending the scene at 43 minutes and one second. Mm-hmm. And here's exactly what happens in that. Uh, I did write down, by the way, actually, funny enough, my first sentence here is honestly, what a truly great transition between scenes that happens here. Okay, then I wrote, what we hear next is, I thought Mad Weir was a myth. Fastos tells us that there is no cure. Thena wakes up and asks what happened. Ajax gives her the breakdown of the whole scene, essentially. Thena is heartbroken as she does not remember this. Ajax tells her that her mind is fracturing under the weight of her own memories. All that she can do is restart her and wipe the memories away so she can start anew. Once again, I ask, and they didn't know they were part robot. (laughs) Uh, She says she'll have to tell Erishem and also that they will have to take her back to the ship in order to do this. Makari argues that she won't be Thena anymore. Mm -hmm. Kingo asks about what if it happens again. He tells Makari that Thena could have killed her, or all of them, really, because she's that awesome uh i don't know why i laughed at that like that's just simply the truth the conversation goes back and forth about thena not wanting to go or forget and ajak tells her that she'll always be thena deep inside as her spirit remains ajak finishes with trust me and Druig asks why thena should trust her you're not asking her to let you erase who she is Druig, i know you're upset but and he interrupts by yelling upset We've trusted sorry, we've trusted you for 7,000 years and look where it's gotten us. I've watched humans destroy each other when I could stop it all in a heartbeat. Do you know what that does to someone after centuries? Could our mission be a mistake? He looks out across the scene that's happening in front of him, which is basically this whole city just being destroyed. And he talks about how they are just like the people down below. They are just pawns to their leaders. Uh, he then uses his powers to stop all the people in the streets. Icarus pulls him back and tells them to, sorry, and tells Druig to let them go. Uh, Druig then says that he'll have to kill him to make him stop. There's a very uncomfortable pause as everyone just sort of like realizes that they're not going to kill each other. So then Druig then walks down the steps and joins the people below and they all walk off with him. <laughs> Druig does his like Oscar clip walk down the pyramid and into the people. So true. <laughs> yes. Um, Gilgamesh offers to watch over Athena. Ajax says one day, if she attacks him, he may have to kill her. Gilgamesh says that he'll take that chance. Ajax tells them, you may all go. The deviants are all gone. There's no reason for you all to stay with me. Icarus questions if they should maybe talk to Erishem before they all split. Ajax then immediately puts him in his place, reminding him of who's in charge here, uh, and that this is, you know, her decision. 
She tells them to go out there and to live a life for themselves, not with a purpose they were given or as soldiers, but to find their own purpose, and that one day they'll see each other all again, and she wants them to tell her what they found. So that is the scene. Uh, James, I, I know we don't frequently talk about what our names are on Zoom because we change them each time, but I would love for you to just tell everyone what yours is because it is truly, truly hilarious and it is exactly what the scene feels like. Um, I changed my name to Why Reset Her When You Could Just Kill Her. Which I think, truly, like that is a hilarious aspect of it. <laughs> and the fact that Thena was like so upset about the idea of being you know, memory wiped or whatever. But then when she's like, you might have to kill her someday. Athena was just like, that's chill. Like, Athena yeah. was not concerned about that whatsoever. Because she's uh, a warrior, and, I, and that just happened, yeah. man. True, true. She's like, hey, I guess I, I guess at the end of the day, it would be like, I'd rather go out at the hand of my hot kind of boyfriend, I guess. Right. Uh, Gilgamesh's you know, like, huh? And, Nothing, yeah, Gilgamesh, like, stand over there. I'm what? Yeah, Gilgamesh... <laughs> God, you sexy piece of man meat. You go over there and stand over there. You just keep looking pretty, Gilgamesh, making pies and shit. She was like, am anyway, I going to lose all my sweet fighting skills? Yeah, you will. Kill me. Just kill me. Just. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so that's that's the whole scene. And just like you said, there's the Oscar, like the Emmy juice kind of thing, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, where it's like, give them, give them that big scene. Give them that big, you know, uh, powerful speech Yeah. Um, about, you know. What it does to a man. <laughs> I can't quite do an Irish accent, but like, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 a good scene, you know. Yes. And I think it really sets you up with certain expectations for later in the film. Are you talking um, about Druid being the villain, and then yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and sure. I, again, I think we can talk about this because again, by now, like mm -hmm. with the spoilers and everything like that, you should. They do such a good job of like early on setting you up to think Druid is going to be the person like to look out for like right. he's going to be the bad guy right um because of this sort of sense of like he is just mind controlling people and doing these things but you know yes it's 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 a killmonger sort of feel to him in this scene where yes, you're like i mm -hmm. the, what he's saying makes sense it feels like he's going to be evil so i don't want to co-sign so quickly but it what he's saying is adding up for me and it's a it's the thing of like a lot of the times there are a lot of villains, right, where they start off with having the best of intentions. Yep. And obviously, though, Killmonger is someone who has such deep-seated hatred and anger yep. that, of course, he can't control that path. And it, the good intentions immediately go away because they... or Actually, he doesn't even have good intentions. He just has essentially good ideas. Right. And if he had good intentions, he could have done something about this. Right. But instead, his intentions were always malaligned. Whereas uh, here, like, Druig really does have the best of intentions at heart. Right. Maybe he doesn't always do the right thing with those. But, like, you know, he, he just like any person, right, um, is just trying his best. And yeah. he's he's doing his best. And like that's the sort of thing where it maybe if he does make a mistake, like, you know, take over people's minds when they're when he's told not to. Um, right. you know, he he may he maybe he makes that mistake, but like he's still learning and he's still, you know, he still has this sense of like morality or what he thinks is right. And who knows, maybe honestly taking over their minds in many of these situations is the right thing to do. But like, you know, it's that thing of do you ever truly know until you do it, you know, or go for it.
you have I just want to put this out there. Yes. What if we look at the Eternals as what is power? Mm. Ajak is uh god ordained. Um yep. Icarus is utter devotion. Mm-hmm. Cersei is love for the populace. Fastos is science. Um Kingo is charm, I guess. Sprite is storytelling. I think Druig is politics. I think like the mind control thing is like, or like, or advertisement where it's like, you don't know what I'm doing to you, but you're following me anyway. You know, what's interesting is that in a way, like this is the interesting thing about it, right? Is that he is not the leader, Yeah, but he is actually truthfully leadership and um, almost like discipleship really. Right. Like the Mm. idea of like, here's the idea of something that we want to believe in and follow. And I'm giving you the, the thing to follow on. So, uh, and in a way it's also kind of like the spreading of the word too, right? Right. Like he is like essentially saying, here's the thing, which is not the, my, my catchphrase. I mean like, meaning like, here's the, whatever we're trying to spread right now, the concept and the idea. And, you know, is putting it through to their minds, essentially almost like as a beacon, like a radio signal, immediate connection, airdropping this information. Uh, And people are essentially immediately responding and following and Mm -hmm. following his example, Mm -hmm. following his words. Um, And, you know, the other thing is that like Ajak is also a healer as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's another big thing that will, I think, come into play later. I know we mm-hmm. keep saying, well, there's some stuff that we feel don't feel bad about, like spoiling in this instance, but like that 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 is something that I feel like I'll keep close to the chest for later. But you know, they mm-hmm. they do all have sort of their their positions, right? Yeah. Um. And uh, but like yeah, I don't know, it's it's fascinating. Like like the difference between like um, Thena is like like if you look at Thena, Makari, and Gilgamesh. It's like mm-hmm. strength, dexterity, and agility. Like mm-hmm. it's like they're all good warriors, but it's because you know Gilgamesh is like friggin' strong, right? But Fina is like nimble with a with a weapon, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Where it's almost like it's almost like they're like a science experiment where we have like like ten variables, or like yeah. like nine variables, and Icarus is the control. <laughs> I mean, a little bit because yeah. Icarus is kind of like uh, almost like a perfect balance between all these things. Yeah. But he's not, he's a jack of all trades. He's not a master of any. Yeah. Which I think also is funny to think about, right? When he also is not in charge, he is not the master of right. any. Right. So, like, he, he mm. really is this sort of well rounded person, but he's never really the one for the main job. He's a jack of all know? trades, but he's not a jack. Of all trades. Oh, oh, okay, yeah, I like that. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, at the end of this scene, the band breaks up. Yep. The team is 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 gone. Yep. The team is done. They all go on their separate ways, and so James. Yeah. Uh, I would like to talk to you about something very important here, mm-hmm. and that is some of the most famous band breakups of all time. Love this. Uh, 
so there's some that are you know like I've I've looked through like a multitude of lists and sort of collected the ones that I feel like uh, are the most powerful to me for a couple of them. Some of them are like you know big ones that didn't actually affect me whatsoever, but like may have affected other people. But they're still important bands uh, breaking up to discuss. I, w- I feel um, like we could. Uh, there's a way to do this as a TikTok. You know that uh, that that meme where it's Lil Wayne being interviewed about the best rappers. And you can like uh-huh. overlay it with like yes, you, the number like, one. Who else is, is like, on there? <laughs> who else is on there? And then it's like, uh, you know, the it's M- crazy. M- Guns M- and Roses didn't even make the list. Guns and Roses, who like who? Who then? Who's number two? The Everly Brothers. The Everly Brothers. Sorry, sorry, Everly okay. like Everly Brothers. Shout out to my dudes, the Everly good, Brothers. Good um, yeah. So uh, that that's a little bit of a tease there, though. So the first one I was going to mention was Guns and Roses. Interesting. Um, huh. So okay. I, I I do want to point out, so some of these I got directly from Rolling Stone. The other ones I got from a bunch of different sources, uh, are, but the uh, first few are all from Rolling Stone. The, we're going to, um, the Beatles are on there, right? You know what's crazy? You're not going to believe this. It is not on this list. I had to, hand, I had to do that one by hand. Isn't that nuts to you? Yeah, isn't like, that isn't that bonkers? The list. <laughs> the Beatles. Didn't well, okay. Actually, I'll tell you this. It's it's possible because this is this is listed as the ten messiest band breakups. Um, the Beatles one, I guess they just didn't consider it to be messy. Even uh, I don't know. Okay. All right. I know. Okay. I, I don't know. Again, I like I said, that's why I pulled Good from a couple different roses. lists. Um, but yeah, first one, Guns and Roses. I just want to point out that the first sentence of this is is wild, which is when you put a bunch of junkies and a megalomaniac in a band together, the shit will hit the fan sooner or later. Uh, yeah. And I think that's, yeah, that's true. In the case of Guns and Roses, that moment came pretty quickly, uh, which, God, yep, true. They talk about a bunch of different things that happened, like the original drummer, Stephen Adler, on uh, his severe drug addiction. Um, Guns and Roses carried on, but Axl Rose started showing up for shows ridiculously late. According to Slash and Duff McKagan? McKagan, yeah. That's what I thought, yeah. D- uh, Duff McKagan, uh, he refused to go on stage one night until they signed away the rights to the band's name. Axel called Slash a cancer and refused to even attend the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction because his ex-bandmates would be in the room. Which is wild because um, Slash is a Leo, and I'm not even sure, like... The thing about the Guns N' Roses is that Axel was doing all sorts of fucked up shit even while they were doing fine. Like oh the, yeah yeah this I mean that's a paraphrasing I skipped over no some for stuff for sure too. just like the thing that comes to mind that always blows my mind is um I think it was Duff McKagan was dating this girl that mm-hmm. then Axel had sex with and had it recorded and put it on Appetite for Distraction just sorry and put it on Appetite for Destruction like it's part of a song that's messed up yeah so did not know that that's yeah buck wild yeah. The Gallagher brothers fought like crazy during Oasis's early days, but by 2009, it seems like they had settled into a profitable groove. They released a new album every two to three years and played massive gigs across Europe to fans who were nostalgic for those magic days in 95, when Noel and Liam Gallagher seemed like the new Lennon and McCartney, which is also crazy that then this same list did not include the Beatles. Right. Um, Anyway, so in 2009, though, and I actually remember this. This one was crazy. This was August of 2009. Uh, the two decades of frustration boiled over backstage at a festival in Paris. Accounts vary, but the brothers got into a physical altercation and called off the gig. Shortly afterwards, Oasis was finished. It was uh, with some sadness and grief, re- great relief. Sorry to tell you that I quit Oasis tonight, Noel Gallagher wrote. People write and say what they like. 
but I simply could not go on working with Liam a day longer. Um, and once again, uh, an interesting thing about people smashing guitars, uh, they were fighting backstage when Liam smashed one of Noel's guitars. Then they started pummeling away at each other and they haven't spoken to each other since. I remember this distinctly because I was actually on a family vacation. Um, <laughs> and I remember like being in Myrtle Beach and like talking with my cousin Jeb and like his phone buzzed and he was like, like we were all having conversations like, hang on, stop, 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 stop. We were like, what? He was like, hang on, someone's texting me. Like something, something's happening. And then was like, oh my God. And then like pulled out his laptop and went to like read the post basically. And yeah. was like, oh my God, the uh, Oasis just broke up. And we were all like, what? You know? So yeah. that was a pretty wild thing. And it's also even more wild because like he was the one that introduced me to Oasis yeah. and I had just gotten into them like maybe two years before. Uh-huh. And then they, and then they basically immediately broke up and I was like, well, God damn it. Dog. <laughs> so moving right along, uh, James, uh, you know, sometimes you have altercations and people end up calling 911, right? Uh-huh. So of course that means that people call the police. Well, speaking of the police, the police were formed in 1977 by drummer Stuart Copeland along with school teacher Gordon Sting Sumner and guitarist Andy Summers, which is so close. Uh, and then within a year, they were Rock's next big thing. But then tension began bubbling over as Sting took control of the band. Uh, other things happened, like, you know, he began to feel like his employees, um, sorry, they began to feel like his employees, and they began fighting like crazy, even as the band got bigger and bigger. Um, it just kind of, you know, grew to be too big, essentially, of a situation. Sting went berserk on uh, Summers, uh, according to Summers in his book that he wrote called uh, One Train Later. And uh, he said he called me every name under the sun with considerable vehemence, leaving everyone in the room white-faced and in shock. Which is saying something because we were English. Yeah, uh, that's what I was thinking. Sting pulled the plug in 1984 after a long stadium tour in support of their massive album, Synchronicity. It wasn't my intention to push Stuart and Andy in any way, Sting said. I was following my instincts, which was to just be an absolute asshole to them, apparently. Stuart Copeland's birthday is the same birthday as my birthday. So that's... Oh, that's, that's cool. Yeah. And two, uh, there's a Friends episode where uh, Sting's kid goes to the same school as Phoebe's kid, I think. Mm-hmm. And so she wants to get uh, Sting t- concert tickets. So she like goes over to their house and like talks to the wife. And and then the wife realizes what's going on. She's like, you need to get out of here before I call the police. And Phoebe's like, oh, a reunion. And that joke That's makes so me funny. laugh a lot. Anyways. That's incredible. Um, other bands that were on the list here from um, the Rolling Stones uh, article about bands breaking up would be uh, the Eagles. Mm-hmm. Um they also talked about The Clash. They mentioned yeah. Smashing Pumpkins. Yep. Uh, rage Against the Machine. Uh, get, yeah. Eventually, they raged against each other. Uh-huh. Um, the Pixies. Yep. So, of course, this is one, though, that we mentioned earlier. I had to find this on another page, basically. Uh, one of the most famous breakups, though, of all time is one that you did mention earlier, and I was, again, shocked was not on that last list, which is The Beatles. There's never been a greater band nor a more well-known music breakup than the Beatles. I would argue that by now there probably has been simply because like, you know, as time goes on, certain things become kind of, you know, pushed further into history, sure, sure. pushed further into history. You know what I mean? It's sure. a thing of like you and I definitely being kind of well-rounded music listeners. We definitely know the Beatles, but 
There's definitely been kids who I've met who are, you know, in their 20s, mm. like uh, as if to say, really, like with it, like 10 years of me, kids that I've went to college with, for example, you know what I mean, that like you could play them a Beatles song and I'd be like, who's that? And you're like, oh, my oh God. you mean that they don't know the Beatles, not that the breakups have been. But both, you mean both? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah a little yeah, bit. It's like yeah. you know the idea of like if you said there was this huge breakup between this band, they'd be like, okay, yeah, who were they? You know, right. like oh my god, right. But yeah, everything began to fall apart after the death of Brian Epstein in 1967. Yeah. But in 1969, John Lennon told the band that he was going to leave. Uh, that same year, Ringo Starr and George Harrison both said that they would also be leaving the band, but would return in the end. Uh, several books have been written on the breakup of the Beatles. And it can be hard to know for sure what it was, because obviously when you talk to different people, there's always going to be different accounts because everyone thinks that I definitely know what happened. Right. Uh, But most likely it was just the growing apart of the band members and the growing desire to become solo artists away from the Beatles brand. Uh, In the Mm. end, the band would break up in 1970 with each member having success on their own. All four of them have also been inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as solo artists. Right. Uh, it is also something to point out that, you know, back then, because you didn't have something like Spotify and these these ways of like discovering music in such a sort of seamless way. Right. right. People had to just churn out music. Like, it, I mean, it, it was insane. Right. Like the mm. when you think about how much music the Beatles made. Mm-hmm. Right. I think frequently people would expect the band to have been around for like maybe twice as long as they actually were. Yep. They didn't make it a decade. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, whoa. Yeah. God, exactly. that's so fast. I mean, honestly, it's like relationships at that point. You know what I mean? Right. If I, if I may, just what's really funny to me about the Beatles is that I always think of the Beatles as like John and Paul hating each other. Mm-hmm. But like they were buds before and after. Right. Like they were immediately back to hanging out almost immediately after breaking up. Cause it was like, it was tension release. Like, I think it was, uh, it, I remember reading something about how it was like, it took them a little bit of time. Yeah. Like, and I mean, literally like a little bit of time, then they kind of got back together. And then, then there was like a period in which they really weren't talking, but it wasn't necessarily that they were like angry. It was just like, we're yeah. both busy now. Yeah. You know? And, like, and then like yeah. the realization though, after things, obviously and because of john's death of like kind of paul then being like oh well now i kind of wish that maybe during that time where we were busy maybe i wish now that well i I spent more time they had like they had like diss tracks with each other where like john would be like your song sucks and the only good thing you written you wrote 10 years ago you know eight years ago or whatever but like my my favorite story of the beatles and paul and john is the snl story do you know this one I don't know. So maybe one um, in the seventies, um, obviously, because John Lennon was killed in nineteen eighty. <laughs> right. um, yep. Um, so in the first five years of SNL, uh, Lorne Michaels um, put out this. You know, did this like joke advertisement. Um, Beatles, please get back together on SNL. I'll pay you five hundred dollars. I'm not going to ask how it's distributed. If you want to give Ringo less, that's fine. Do whatever you want. <laughs> Just, uh, you know, c- come on down. And I think later, I think like George showed up and was like, so do I get the money? All like, I think yeah. he hosted SNL and then he was like, so I'm here. What's up? Um, but the story goes that that night that that happened, that SNL happened, John and Paul were in New York watching SNL together. 
And they were like, should we just like go down there? She's like, we just like head down to 30 Rock and be like, what's up? John Lennon and Paul McCartney here. Because like in the 70s, they kind of dissed each other. But like in like the like 74, 75, it was like, listen, it's. Remember when we were buds at school? Let's do that again. Like It's also, I will say this, it's probably also like sometimes meant to be a real dig, but also sometimes a little bit like, you know, here's a small ribbing. Unlike the way they would sometimes talk about Ringo, which right. also makes me laugh very hard about like, yeah. the, I don't remember what publication it was, but someone interviewing John Lennon and being like, probably is Ringo star? Yeah the the greatest drummer of all time and he's like he's not even the greatest drummer in the band you know like i think think that i think that's a paul i think that i think he was saying paul no he was he was talking about paul yeah yeah i'm right if paul is a better drummer than ringo right yeah yeah yeah. yeah. because because paul did drums on uh oh god what song is that um lady madonna there's a yes, yeah, there's yeah. a um and uh and ballad of john and yoko they recorded both of those songs when george yes. and ringo uh had quit because ringo and george were the ones that actually quit first which is right. hilarious to me because john's like i'm gonna quit all right uh, here i am i'm quitting i'm, I'm quitting. gonna go I'm walking quit. out the here door i go i'm quitting are they still there i'm quitting here but george is like i'm fucking out goodbye but like they even have a thing on the recording yeah. where they're like ready george ready ringo and like it's funny to me. There's, They're funny. I, I, I also got to say, like, so I'll probably cut this, baby, because this is not related to the breakup, but somewhere in one of the, like, the anthologies where you have all that, like, bonus footage stuff, mm-hmm. there's this amazing clip of, and now, again, of course, I'm forgetting what song it is, but it's one of the songs where they're recording this song, and, like, they're they're on, like, their 12th take or something like that, and, like, everything stops because, like, it's not together anymore, and John's like, Paul, like, what's is that? I can't keep up. It's my, my bloody fingers. They hurt. Right. Like, and then he's like, he's like, well, it's like, why don't you use a pick then? Right. <laughs> I haven't got one. <laughs> Where are they? They're in my case. And they're, they're talking about it. It's like, uh, and they, and he says like, well, it's like, why isn't your case? And he's like, no one asked me. Right. And then Ringo from the back is like, I asked you when we were coming <laughs> in, if you wanted me to bring in your case. And I think, I think it's John who's like, not now, Ringo. Like, just cuts him off. And Ringo is pointing out that he's like, you could have had your case here. I literally asked you if you wanted it here. Right. Like, like don't don't blame other people. Like, you could have had your case here. And Arrested so Development great. cuts to earlier when. <laughs> exactly. It's exactly what that is. And it's it's like, I think it's the next take uh, or, or, like, or rather the next cut where you hear bonus footage. Right. Which is where John goes, uh. It's like, Paul, if you don't stop fucking up, I'm going to, I was like, I won't give you no more drugs. Right. Like, like he does like this fun, like fancy little voice and he goes, Oh, I'll be good, John. I'll be good. Right? Like, and he just like very quickly. He's like, I'll, I'll get it right. I'll get it right. Yeah. And I think that's so fucking funny. That's just amazing. Like, I won't give you any more drugs. <laughs> he puts on like this weird little voice for a brief moment. That's amazing. Like the very typical theater kid thing to do. I, did um, All right. So you saw that TikTok then. I was going to reference that TikTok where it was like theater kids. He's like, Oh you, yeah, 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 exactly. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I was thinking about that all day. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. (laughs) Okay, so now that we've talked about the Beatles, uh, I want to mention just three more, uh, two of which mean a lot to me. And one of them, again, is like one of those things where I just feel like you kind of can't escape how iconic it was uh, in a way, Mm. at least in this day and age. 
Um, once again, in 20, 30 years, it might not mean as much anymore, right? Right. Uh, so I'm going to start with that one since it's not as meaningful to me. Uh, mm. But one of the biggest breakups that I feel like that's happened since I've been alive mm. um, was One Direction. Oh, interesting. I remember okay. when One Direction ended, it like it felt like it shattered the world mm-hmm. of nearly every person that I went to high school with. Interesting. Of of many different persuasions, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, most of them girls, but like. Sure. That they weren't the only people who were feeling it. Sure. But like I straight up remember being around people who were like, I mean, quite visibly like crying. And I was like, what happened? Yeah. And I think it was like, actually, I'm, I might be thinking of when just one of them left and then Zane. the breakup happened a little bit later. Yeah, but yeah. like when Zayn Malik, I think is his last name. Yeah. Zayn, something like that. Uh, he left. And I remember. Like Freddie Malik? Oh my God, we've broken the case wide open. No, but like he left, and I remember I had this friend. Uh, I'll I'll preserve her identity, maybe just so I don't embarrass her. I'll just call her A. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember seeing her in like the band hallway, and I was like, "What is going on?" Because I mean, she was just like literally sobbing, and she's like, "And I was like, stop. What? I was like, you've got to slow down. I was like, I'm I want to I want to be here, but I was like, I don't know what you're saying." And yeah. then she was like, Zane Malik left One Direction and was like back to crying. And I was like, I kind of honestly don't know what half of that means, but I'm sorry. Right. There's a video of Kevin Hart on a red carpet uh-huh. finding out that Zane left One Direction. And he's like, what? Zane left. And he calls T.I. over. It's like, tip. Zane left One Direction and and T I was like what and like I think they're probably taking the piss but it is hilarious because yeah. they're both like they look very concerned and it's very yeah. fun so so of course the final one that I was gonna bring up James mm-hmm. no is doubt plus forty four oh, so right. plus forty four and no uh, I mean that that was you know something but it just sort of they went on indefinite hiatus right uh, but no for real though Blink One Eight Two that was that was an earth shattering moment for yeah. me and you know back then and then of course uh, Tom coming back and then Tom being like actually I'm gonna leave again I thought that the band was gonna break up again and that yep. was like too much for me to handle yeah but then Mark was like no you know what Blink One Eight Two for life yeah I'm sticking with it. And like I get that some people are like, eh, it's not the same without Tom and Matt is not the man. Listen, it Tom made the choice to leave. Okay, yeah. Tom's gone. Don't you know? Don't be so pissy to your stepdad. You know when he came in to try and keep the family running. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Yeah. Matsky was the the fun stepdad in this case. Hmm. Uh, the fun stepdad who was like really into tarantulas and like. Just, you know, it's like, hey, what if there was like, I don't know, death everywhere. Anyway, I'm going to go ride this Bucati, you know, uh, motorbike. Honey, look and, who uh, I'm at the Denny's. Hi, I'm Matt Skiba. What's going on? I have a motorbike. I here's the thing. You make that as a joke. <laughs> I guarantee you that's happened at least once. Where like Matt Skiba <laughs> just went in to get like a cup of coffee and people went, Matt Skiba of Alkaline Trio and of Blinkway 2. And he was like, oh, hey, uh, I mean, do you guys mind if I sit down here to have my coffee? And they'd be like. I mean, sure. And he's like, great. Can I get a coffee and also a Grand Slam? And he and lights he up a cigarette and they're like, you can't. He's like, he's like, I'm Matt. Skiba. And like hellfire in his yeah. eyes. And they're like, here's yeah. an ashtray. Like, you know what? Yeah. Uh, he's like, also, my memory is not good anymore. <laughs> um, which I, I shouldn't make a joke about that. Like, but in a way, 
Matt Skiba has mad weird. Um, so let's discuss that concept for a moment. No. Um, I uh, that I, is everything though. I will just say that Bam Smashing Bams. Pumpkins were was a huge one for me. Um, mm-hmm. What's rough about that one is that basically the beginning of the end for that one was uh, Jonathan Melvin dying, who is their keyboard guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're interested in a weird connection, Wendy Melvin has done uh, music for listener. I don't know you, but if you've watched any TV in the last twenty years. Probably you've watched something that Wendy Melville and his sister uh, has done music for. Um, mm. She also uh, wor- uh, played uh, in bands with Prince back in the 80s, which is something else. Um, but so it was weird because like he died and then Darcy, the the bass player, left. And mm. then it sort of was like, I guess we'll replace her with the one from Hole. I guess we're not going to have a drummer like and then over and over again and it was like here's this here's these great songs on the Batman and Robin soundtrack oh by the way we're uh i mean i guess they released like one more album after that but like it's one of those things actually it's funny cuz Rage Against the Machine and Smashing Pumpkins and the Pixies are all like and like kind of like and Guns and Roses are all like mm-hmm. yeah no we know we listen yeah. no one is under any illusions that what's happening here is happening here. Like you have a front yeah, man no, and it's, sure. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I mean like that's, that is also an issue too, right? It's like there have been many bands where something like, I mean like panic at the disco, for example, mm-hmm. which just like the quote unquote, the band is still there. Right. You know what I mean? But it's, it's not, it's just one man well, and with. Yeah. I mean, the, when you, if you like, you know, a few of you can't sweat out is my favorite Panic of the Disco album. It's the first one, and and Brendan Urie wrote n- none of it. The other Brent, uh, his name is escaping me, which says a lot. Wrote all of that album, and like I always forget that, and so it's wild that he that he has continued with that using that name. Yeah, it's there's a lot of things I feel like that kind of work in that way, like. Obviously, this band has actually fully broken up now, but Suburban Legends, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever happened um, to Suburban Legends? That's good. That's good. Uh, so, for a split second, I went, "Wait, did I say suburb- Suburban Legends and meant Suburban Rhythm?" And then I went, "No, no, no. The, the song is Suburban Rhythm." Uh, yeah, but I Suburban up. Legends. Yeah, no, you're good. I I realized you were just being a joke, so you're good. So, but the thing is that, like, I the the that one album, Rump Shaker, was like truly to me a defining ska album. Bright Spring Morning is one of the best songs I think of all time. Mm. And that's not a joke. I think that that song is absolutely incredible. Yeah. And that album as a whole is so good. And then um, Dallas Cook, their trombone player, but also kind of like the heart and soul of that band, uh, tragically passed away in an accident. Mm. Uh, And that was like the best friend of their lead singer. And so, like, they kind of tried to make some stuff work for a little bit, and he just was like, I can't do this yeah. without him. Like, I, it was too much. So then he left, and this was an, a situation where, you know, the band probably should have broken up and maybe gone under a new name for a bit. Uh, but then at that point, there was a, technically a, an established brand. Right. And so then um, Vince, um, oh, God, I can't remember his last name, and I feel bad about that. But Vince, the trumpet player slash backing vocalist, became the new lead vocalist and you know they started doing new things uh and they started you know changing a little bit here and there of the band until eventually it kind of became this whole 
other thing. Yeah. And I remember looking at, I think it's like two albums after Rump Shaker, where I remember I listened to that album, and I I want to say that it's called Infected. That might not be it either. But like I remember looking at that album and going, this is not what I was here for. You know what I mean? Right. And it was no major disrespect to them, because I do think they eventually kind of got back to a path of like ska and like some kind of like SoCal kind of stuff. But like yeah. for a little bit, it got so experimental and very, I was like, I, this feels, it's not the same band. Right. You know? Um, but like they, they kind of made their way back. But again, it's a thing of, it really was so different by that point. Right. And I was like, this should be a new band. Yeah. Um, listen, listen, did you know that that's basically it for this episode? So James, yes. yes. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about Patreon? Yes. Okay. So, the Scavengers Network has a Patreon page, which is at patreon.com slash the Scavengers Network. On there, you're going to find bonus content for all the shows on the network. Um, some shows at this point uh, are planning on putting their first bonus content on just because they're new to the network or or that hasn't really been um, something that they've been generating. But uh, a really exciting thing about 2022 is that we're planning on having bonus content for any show that you can that you can point to on the scavengers network um for instance the uh timeline scavengers bonus content for you know for this year or one of the pieces is uh i ranked and reviewed all of the gag reels on all of the uh released mcu movies including spider-man homecoming and spider-man far from home and spider-man no way home um and it was a it was a a, a a labor of love, and I I had a fun time doing it. And it's up on Spotify. What did I, what? And it's nope, up on no. <laughs> it's up on Spotify because <laughs> screw Patreon. Um, yeah. Um, no but, other no other platform. Bone us content is what happens when I put it up on Spotify. Um, no, so that is up on Patreon. Uh, there's also all sorts of uh, videos and extra episodes. You can see last our last year's bonus content. Also, it'll be this year's bonus content at least one more time, um, at least once this year. Uh, we have mm-hmm. a, a whole actual play episode with characters that we uh, introduced last year on Timeline Scavengers. Uh, we're going to keep that going for as long as we can. Um, but there's there's no end to the amount of stuff that's on the Patreon because once you get to the end, by that time there's been more stuff put on there. It's it's really amazing. And you get it all the bonus content for $2 a month. And that is ridiculous and amazing. So I would heartily recommend that you sign up at patreon.com slash the scavengers network. When you sign up, there's a checklist of the shows on the network. Uh, go ahead and check us off along with anything else that you listen to on the network. Um, and, uh, you know, let us know let our boss know who you're listening to and that you're one of the things you're listening to is timeline scavengers. Um, make it real clear to him because sometimes he has a little bit of trouble sort of like connecting things, but like, you know, this will, this will make it clear to him. Anyways, that's patreon.com slash the scavengers network. And what's this? I'm, I'm getting a message now. I'm fired. Interesting. I wonder how that has happened. Um, <laughs> hey, but that's, well, you know, just distracts. You know, it, it's fine. In five or so years, we'll be going. Should we just go down to SNL? <laughs> exactly. I'm like that every Saturday. Um, so <laughs> that's gonna do it for uh, this week. And if I may, Eternals 
for the time being. For the time being, for the pickup episodes. These that was the yes, this is the yeah. end of the pickup episodes. Um, we have more tunnels coming up, of course. In fact, one coming up very soon. Um, yeah. But uh, for now, we are caught up with the past, ready to go into the future, and we're gonna do that right now because I am James Anderson. And I'm Colin Parker. And before we break up for this episode, let me just say, let me get the last word in. Excelsior. Damn it. The Scavengers Network. Creator-driven. Community-focused. Treasured content.